Hey there, folks. This is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, coming to you with another teaching from the book of Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 17, and here we see what is called in the modern versions an epileptic boy. In the older versions, it's called moonstruck, and I'll get to that in just a moment. So here's the text. When they had come to the multitude, that is down from the mountain after the transfiguration, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, which was the cause of the epilepsy, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why couldn't we cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, or if you have a different version, the littleness of your faith. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, and this doesn't appear in New American Standard, NIV, and so on, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So, I ha here's a quick note on the word epileptic. This term is chosen by many modern translators, but it's not strictly accurate. The literal word is moonstruck, and lunatic is a fair transliteration. I said translation in my study, but it's transliteration, as in the King James. Luna is Greek for moon. But as the modern translators are aware, it doesn't fully convey what's happening, so they chose epileptic, which doesn't fully convey what's happening either. They chose that to represent what was going on. And so anyway, that's what they did, and that's what many of them have chosen to do. So what was this little boy's problem? Well, the essential problem he had was demonic influence. Now, just as a side note, demons are servants of Satan. So by extension, satanic influence. And this is no fault of the little boy. Demons sometimes come to people we don't know why. And in this particular case, there was no explanation. The idea is often, that is, the idea of anything spiritual is often rejected by modern thinkers because these folks virtually always reject the idea of a spirit world of any sort. To many people, the spiritual realm simply does not exist. Everything evolved, nothing was created, there are no spirits, there are no demons, there's nothing but material things. However, to Jesus and his disciples and the entire ancient world, 
The spiritual realm lived alongside the physical realm, and it was a part of it. Our modern world, as it, rationalistic as it is, rejects most spiritual things unless they're thinking in terms of witchcraft and demonization and so on, which then they accept, but they reject the God of the Bible. So we need to be very careful not to adopt a rationalistic way of thinking. That is, there's nothing out there but material. Because that is a product of a rationalistic philosophy that is incorrect and refuses to take all the facts into account. So the word for demon possession in Greek <clears throat> is daimonizomenai, meaning demonic influence, demonic possession. And the New Testament doesn't really differentiate between these ideas, influence and possession. The phrases, it came out of him, and cast out, and various other places in the New Testament lend credence to the idea of demons somehow accessing the inner person of an individual and living there, as do some other passages. Demonization is an extremely common New Testament theme, and Jesus dealt constantly with demonic forces. <clears throat> Now, I can't deal with this at length here because it is a huge topic. One admonition, though, don't get overly entangled in this. You can get to the point where you see demons in your mind's eye everywhere, and then you get afraid. Demonic forces exist, but today they are mostly hidden or willingly accepted. And interestingly enough, they were also willingly accepted by some of the people in Jesus' day because Jesus says to these people, you are of your father the devil. And he's talking about their willing acceptance of the demonic and satanic. Now, on the other hand, if someone wants to be influenced by demons, Satan, or evil, it's unlikely for them to change. And in that case, your best effort is prayer. If someone wants to be released, normally they can be. But if they want to be captive, then they will be, unless God changes their mind and heart. Today, <clears throat> we tend to discount spiritual influence on sickness. And this is extremely important because it is very real. Common issues today are certain obsessions, sexual obsessions and uh, obsessions with uh, killing and murder and hate and all of that kind of thing. Drug addiction, uncontrollable rage, depression, suicidal thoughts, and there are many other issues that are demonic, not in origin, because the demon simply takes what we are and enhances it. And in many cases, Christians can simply resist this, and this is the command of Scripture, resist the devil, says James, and he will flee from you. And Peter says, resist him, firm in your faith. So, 
we can resist in most cases, but sometimes the problem is overwhelming. That's very often true of drug and alcohol addiction. And there is a need for third-party intervention. And I've seen it work, especially with addicts. But it takes time sometimes to drive the evil from them because, you see, initially they accepted it. Now they don't want it, but it clings on kind of like um, oil on your hands that you can't wash off. Now, here's another thought. Sometimes there's no willingness. And I did have a friend years ago who was epileptic. The elders of the church that I was going to at the time prayed for him. And the problem just stopped. Was he demon-possessed? Don't know. Was he demonized in any way? Don't know. And the question is, is epilepsy or anything else always spiritual? And the answer to that is, of course not. But prayer for suffering people never hurts. When you pray, you do good. And an additional idea here is that until you pray, you have not done what you need to do. Always pray when people have troubles. So what happened to this boy eventually? Well, Jesus healed him by rebuking the demon and making it leave. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. <clears throat> On the other hand, just before that cure, Jesus offered a short rant about the disciples' unbelief. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here. I mean, basically that's like, oh, you guys, what's wrong with you? I've been teaching you how to do this. And they could do it in some instances, as the scriptures tell us. So in Mark chapter 9, there is a parallel to this. And in that parallel, Jesus calls the Father also to believe. And the Father says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So apparently Jesus also had the Father in mind when he was discussing the disciples' unbelief. And this is an important idea. Help my unbelief is a good prayer. It's always good. When we pray for someone, or as in this case, conduct an exorcism, we have to get our eyes off the huge problem the sufferer has and get them on the mighty power and grace of God. When we look at problems, whatever they are, they can seem so big that nobody and nothing can deal with them. That is a faith killer, and it's also Satan's tool Oh, he's never going to answer you. You hear that voice in your head? That's not God. When we look on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and make them our consciousness rather than the problem, 
faith comes much more easily. And this is true for all sorts of things. Can God give you a job and supply your needs? Yes. Can God give you strength for the trial you're about to experience? Yes. Can God heal you? Yes, but not always because he doesn't always choose to. And that's something for a different sermon. God is not weak, and he's certainly not weaker than Satan or demonic forces. Although Satan and his demons will try to communicate that doubt to you when you resist them or pray to God, it will seem sometimes like the strongest individual in your life is the evil one. That is not true. That's a lie, because that's what Satan does. He lies. Stand firm in your faith, don't give up, and don't doubt God's ability. So I'm going to remember a bit, and I don't usually like to bring in personal stuff, but this is something that I think is very important. Decades ago, I mean, this is a long time ago, a member of my congregation at the time came to us concerning his son, who was not present. His boy hadn't come with him. And he was very, very resistive to anything of faith and also very angry and hateful toward his parents. His boy was on drugs and he was obsessed with them. He was acting crazy and, of course, completely unwilling to change. Now, this is an instance where he probably accepted what was going on. So the father asked us to pray, asked the congregation to pray. And so we agreed to fast and pray for three days, if we could handle the three days. I managed to do it and barely. You know, I'm not really a good faster, but I can. Now, our congregation was tiny, but we fasted and prayed. And the father, like, the next Sunday announced that his boy had been completely healed and delivered, was now a believer, and 100% normal. Now, I want to make a special note that this had nothing in particular to do with me other than the fact that I agreed to do it and the congregation agreed to do it. This was God and his church. And there's a huge lesson here, folks. You don't want to rely on some leader. I mean, you may, but not alone. You are God's child. And we'll talk about that a little more. You are God's child, and together with others, you access the grace and power of the Almighty. So we asked, and God answered. And again, I'm purposely making this a bit vague to sort of protect the guilty here. So the question that I have always asked myself is, was his son demonized when he was obsessed with drugs? I don't know. Didn't see him. I know the healing was real. That I do know. Did I do something? No. I didn't do anything special except what the rest of the congregation did. I encouraged them. Did I lay hands on this boy and rebuke the demon or demons? No. This was not me. 
This was just God answering the sincere prayers of his people, not just me, his people. And it's important to realize, folks, what these events teach. Ordinary Christians can exercise spiritual gifts and experience the power of God just as leaders can. That's one of the great defects that we have in the church today. Whether it's Catholic, Protestant, uh, charismatic, whatever, the church believes that there is a differentiation between people who are teachers and preachers and people who are quote-unquote just people. That's not really so true. What Jesus said elsewhere is that when two or three agree in prayer, God answers. And that's the rule, not the exception. Because that statement takes God's mighty power from the hands of the few, priests, pastors, evangelists, Bible teachers, and so on, and offers access to his great grace to all. And so if you have someone you know and love who has a big problem, gather together with some other Christians and pray for them. You can rely on him to work, whether you take the problem to a priest, an evangelist, a pastor, or whatever, you can rely on him to work. The keys here are believing, praying, sometimes fasting, and you being honest before God with all your sins confessed. This is extremely important. If you are going to go into battle with Satan, you do not want to have unconfessed sin. And so as it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now I'm telling you all of this so that you will know that God's great power is offered to you as well as your quote-unquote leaders. Do you have to be perfect? No. Do you have to have some special gift? No. You pray, God answers. So the disciples ask this question, and it's very important to understand what it is. Why could we not cast it out? Jesus' answer is, because of your unbelief, or with other versions, the littleness of your faith. Now, it's easy at this point to accept the notion that there are special people who have, quote-unquote, the gift of faith, and that is a real gift, by the way, but those who have it don't normally talk about it or trumpet it around or say, I have the gift of faith. Just They just do it. That's not Jesus' point here. His point is that the disciples could have believed, which means their doubt was self-generated. And the lesson for us is this, we can believe, which means that faith is a decision, folks. You decide to believe, just like you decide to become a child of God decide to follow the Lord Jesus, decide to be baptized. One of my profs was fond of saying that faith is the hand of the heart. 
It just reaches out to the faithful God, knowing that nothing is too hard for the Lord. You decide to reach out. You decide to believe God. And that is really the key to your faith. Get the eyes of your mind on God. Recognize his goodness, his faithfulness, his grace, his power, and decide to believe in him. Folks, you can never go wrong by trusting God. I've made the mistake of thinking that you could. And I can tell you it puts you into a terrible spiritual wilderness. You can never go wrong by trusting God. Also, pray, sometimes with fasting, so that God can ready you for his work. Because that's what fasting prayer really does. It makes you ready to accept the grace of God. And I've experienced this time and again, that when I fast, God speaks to me. When I fast, God works. What changed? Was it God? Absolutely not. It was me. I hope God blesses you today, folks, and I hope he fills your life with joy. And if you have problems, spiritual problems, get some friends together who really know and love the Lord and pray. James said it this way. He said, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Sometimes you have to be careful about who you talk to, about your problems, because there are gossips. And a gossip is not a godly person, let me tell you that. But a, people that you can trust to pray for you, those are treasures. May God bless you richly this day. This is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, signing off.